I love being able to bring knowledge to people and bring people together and help troubleshoot problems and help troubleshoot clients and patients with other people. And, you know, you just never know, like you throw out an idea or a question to somebody and it might make something click, which then might change that person's life. Hey, welcome to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast, the number one show for passionate physical therapists looking to start and grow an even more successful cash-based physical therapy business. I'm your host, Aaron LeBauer. Thanks for spending time with me today. And before we get to the episode, real quick, if you're new to the show or haven't picked up your Cash PT checklist yet, then you're definitely missing out. This checklist lays out all the steps you need to start a cash-based physical therapy business. If you want me to send that to you, then just text CASHPT to 444-999. That's C-A-S-H-P-T to the number 444-999. And you'll get this essential checklist. Now on to the show. Hey, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. This is Aaron LeBauer, your host. And today, my special guest is Sarah Duvall from Core Exercise Solutions. She's in Boston. But uh, she's not from there, so she didn't have a Boston accent. Um, and I found uh, or met Sarah via Instagram. I saw some of her stuff and asked her a few questions. And she's got an online business helping women um, through pelvic health, but it's almost mostly online. She's got, she said she had like nine people helping her doing her online business. She's got a course. And I was like, wow, I got to get this person on the show to share what she's doing to be so successful. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk shop. I usually have to talk pelvic floor, so this is a nice change. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we can talk a little pelvic floor if you want, right. but you know, yeah. mostly we'll talk about business and we'll talk about why and even why pelvic floor. So um, real quick, give us a little bit of background. I always like to start with like, how'd you end up from high school to, to, to PT school? Like, like what was the, was there a pivotal moment in there? You're like, oh, I've got to be a physical therapist. So I volunteered on the cancer ward uh, at the hospital when I was 12, 11, 12, and I figured out, I volunteered from, you know, my whole time through high school in the summers, and I figured out that I did not do well with people dying, and I needed people to get better, and so I volunteered at the rehab center uh, that was their outpatient and had an amazing physical therapist as Mm -hmm. kind of like a mentor then, and I started volunteering when I was 14. And she was great. And that just turned me on to PT. So the work she was doing with stroke patients and wheelchair, like new spinal cord injury patients and how she was just turning their life around was, was so inspiring. And then I was an athlete and I got hurt a lot. <laughs> but that just like, you know, seals the deal. <laughs> yeah. What was your sport? Um, I pole vaulted in college. Um, I was also a sponsored kiteboarder for a little while. I rock climb now. I, I mean, I've done a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So I just love athletics in general. That's awesome. Kiteboard. I remember I was on a bike trip. I used to race bicycles and this guy, Grover Bell, um, he was like an old flat track racer, like in the seventies, but he would, he somehow got in our van and was talking about all the brand new, and this was in 2000 and it was 1999, all the brand new, like the brand new kiteboarding stuff that they were doing on the, on the coast of Marin. So I, I don't know when that started, but he was one of the, these first guys that would get out there and you know, get on these big, with these big kites. I mean, is it, I don't know. I just thought I'd share that. Well, that I've also run a marathon and yeah. so, and done some triathlon stuff. And, and if you're going to make me do something for four hours, I would much mm-hmm. prefer to be on the ocean kiteboarding <laughs> <laughs> for four hours. So it's just a, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. So where'd you grow up to get into that? Uh, or where Charleston, were you? South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charleston on the coast. Oh, Charleston. Yeah, Charleston's got the best food in South Carolina. Right? Oh, so good. And I went to PT school there. And then once you have a taste of the city, you just don't really want to leave. So mm-hmm. no, that's awesome. Well, you don't sound like you're from Charleston. You sound <laughs> or Boston. You know, <laughs> it's what happens when you keep moving. So southern right. accents are not exactly the most becoming thing in the north. <laughs> yeah. People are like, "Where are you from? The Midwest?" I'm like, "No, that's just me trying to hide my southern accent." <laughs> right. Well, you know, I'm from North Carolina, and, and people always ask me, "Well, where's your accent?" And I was <laughs> like. You know, I like it. Well, you know, I lived in California. I grew up, you know, like we don't all like, we don't all have outhouses. And, and <laughs> so tell me, um, did you always know, like after PT school, like, like, well, I guess let me go back up and say, I think which came first, I think pelvic floor specialty came first, right? Before you even decided to own a business. Is that right? No. Oh, it was the other um, way around. You, the other way around. Yeah. I've actually owned several out of pocket 
um, pay practices. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going to do something with a low back online. Like I knew I wanted to dive into the online world because my husband kept moving me around the States. And by the time I established my third out-of-pocket pay practice, I was like, I'm done. I need something where when he moves me again to another state and I have to start from scratch. At one point I had three state PT licenses. I was like, I don't need all of these. And so I was like, I need something where I can walk into a a state and and people can say, Hey, Oh, I've heard of you. Or I can say here, check out this giant blog post reel that I have. So you can get an idea of me and my approach. So then it didn't feel like I was starting from scratch every time I had to start over. So it was the second move didn't do it, but the third was like, all right, I I can't do this again. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. And then, um, did so Prior to that, you were you're probably like, I'm just going to be a physical therapist. And- well, I, I just, I really hate khaki pants. And I know that sounds like a weird statement, but pretty much every single orthopedic clinic that I had the option of working in, I would have had to wear khaki pants every day. Khaki and pants, I, polo, and running shoes? I hate slacks, yes. So it's like, I am done. I'm done with this world, and I'm done with the insurance model, and I want to do my own thing and focus on patients how I want to focus on them, so... Mm-hmm. I uh, started running space from the medical university there, um, and that's how I started my yeah. business down there. And started seeing you know patients for an hour it was great, mm-hmm. and uh, you know taking a little bit of notes, but not having to submit things for insurance. So that was just a real relief on time, yeah. uh, time management. So. What year was this? Like how long ago was this? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. Awesome. And like, did you? How did you? Like, did you get a lot of resistance? Like did people say um, like, it was 50 50 back then because there was really no, like nobody was doing out of pocket pay in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I was one of the first, at least one of the first that I had, had talked to. And some of my professors were, you know, that I'd reached back out to, they were really supportive of me and they're like, I'm going to send you people. And they did. They mm-hmm. sent patients. It was great. And then I had some, uh, you know, some of the people in practices around in the town that were like, no, you can't do that. That's outside the box. And now it's normal. Now I'm like, oh, cash for practice. Like, it's just completely normal. But back then, it was not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did you get the idea to do that? Like, like what, was, what was happening at the time? And you're like, something needs to change. I need to do this new thing. Well, there was another PT that I was working with that was also wanting to work in that model um, mm-hmm. and working there. And then I was a personal trainer all the way through physical therapy school. And so I was already getting paid cash to work with people. And I was getting, a, I was being able to apply what I was learning in school while mm-hmm. I was, you know, earning money for school. And I was like, well, this really isn't that much different than what I'm doing when I'm stepping the doors of the clinic and put on khaki pants. I was like, I could marry these two. <laughs> I deserve at least $10 more an hour for the khaki pants. Exactly, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so it was just, it, it was, I think being a personal trainer for so long opened that window because I was already like, well, I mean, I know how to charge people for my time. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you're not already in that world, then it can seem uh, really overwhelming to think, oh, people won't pay. Right. They won't pay if you're not using their insurance. I was like, oh, no, I mean, they're paying me already. Mm-hmm. There's nothing where when I graduate or I, you know, get a little experience and then want to work in this cash pay environment, like, why would they suddenly stop paying me? Right, right. No, I had the same experience. I was uh, doing massage therapy all through school. I didn't, I could do it full time. I could see three or four people on Wednesday and um, four or five people on Saturday unless they all of a sudden scheduled us a last minute something on Wednesdays. And then, you know, that would always mess up, but I was getting $85 a visit. And I was like, mm-hmm. Why would I go work at the hospital for 40, $38? Like I didn't. Yeah, it didn't make sense when you come from that environment already. Yeah. And I wasn't um, making quite that much. I think back then I was charging 55 to 65 for a personal mm-hmm. session. But still, when you're making that much, you're like, why would I go work somewhere for 40? Right. Absolutely. No, I want to work somewhere for a And have a dollar. boss and have to wear khaki pants. I know. Who wants khaki pants? By the way, my pants today are blue and they're not khaki. <laughs> um, just for the record. You don't have the option to wear yoga pants. That would be a little weird. I know. I know. Wear tights. Um, yeah. I could wear shorts, but then I'm wearing shorts all day. And um, I do have those long, uh, some of my favorite pair of pants are the Lululemon. They have these double layered, like long men's pants that are nice, but they're more like pajama, expensive pajamas. <laughs> so I don't wear them out. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you had a bit successful business in Charleston. You guys moved and then you moved and you were yeah, like. I sold my practice yeah. um, to an amazing physical therapist who was doing really great. And she has another PT that's working for her and, uh, 
I think she's a trainer or Pilates teacher. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which. Um, And and so that's going really well. So it's kind of fun to see something that you put into motion Mm -hmm. then continue. How'd you, do you mind if I ask, how'd you work out that deal and what was, can you give us some of the, cause I have, can you some of the details? Cause I have people asking all the time, Aaron, I want to sell my business. And the last person that did was like, and I'm moving next week. And I'm like, uh, oh, yes. you have an email list. She, she was, was a work in progress, which I really lucked into. So mm-hmm. we had been talking, she was really unhappy at her clinic, you know, just a typical patient every 30 minutes, loads of paperwork. She was just being run into the ground and she was a great PT. And I was like, this is just a shame. You know, you stop being able to bring passion to what you do when you were worked into the ground. Mm-hmm. And so I started a relationship with her because uh, we met at the Cable Park wakeboarding. Because, I mean, you know, where else would you meet somebody that you would want to work with? Right. And, and so we started talking about bringing her on board. Like, how would that look? Because she's like, I really need a full-time income. So it, it, it was one of those things that was going to be a little tricky. So, like, okay, how can I bring her in and build up her caseload without taking a huge cut myself? Mm-hmm. to be able to do that and then my husband lost his job and his lab closed and I was like well this just might work out <laughs> so we had been talking about it for about eight months um mm-hmm. and kind of putting a plan in place and I was like so Jill do you want to just buy it from me and she was yeah. like well, let me think about it and then she was like yes and so I basically wrote out you know asset list mm-hmm. client asset list put a put a number on that um I own the building as well um but she rented space from me. Okay. And so she bought the practice from me and then continued to be a renter. Of okay. This. Cool. And did you guys, um, did you like a one lump sum or do like overtime type of thing? Um, it was, oh, I had her get a loan because I didn't mm-hmm. want our friendship to come in the way of anything. So she right. got a loan, she paid me one lump sum and then she paid the bank back. Okay. Smart. Out of our like friendship realm and we could, you know, yeah. chit chat and not, not, not have a hand in it. Yeah. Perfect. That was, that's great. That's, that's really, that's really, um, uh, that's, that's a great idea. I love that. So are you still owner of the building? Do you sell it to her? So, well, she's actually buying it from me next month. So we're okay. closing on the loan because I'm hitting seven years of, um, the loan is, you know, going over and right. I don't like being a landlord in a place that gets hit by hurricanes when mm-hmm. I am so far away and so I was like, do you want to just buy it from me so then I can stop worrying about it? And yeah. she's probably in a place where she feels like, yes, I could take on a loan. I'm feeling good. Let's grow this business. Let me just have ownership of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, wow, yeah. that's awesome. Congratulations. It's an investment, but I'm glad to be like just completely done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. So that was location number one. And then location number two, were you there long enough to build it up for something you could sell or was that... No, I was not. I was there long enough to build it up to a bit of a wait list, Mm -hmm. but not enough where I could be like, okay, here's a giant client list and here's established things. And I rented space there instead of buying a building Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to get that invested because I was also a new mom. So I was eight months pregnant when we moved. Um, So so yeah, I stepped in. How many kids do you have? Okay, awesome. How old are they? Uh, almost six and almost three. Nice. Mine are seven. Mine are seven. They're eight and ten now. Eight and ten. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I totally get it. That's awesome. So, what? Um, tell me, like, uh, for people listening, what are some of the things that you valued as assets in your business that were that you were able to sell the first time, but the second time you didn't? Like, can you tell us how? Like, what were what are those valuable things, and how did you value evaluate, evaluate them? Uh, having a space where people were used to coming. Mm-hmm. So you get people, they, you build relationships, they get comfortable in your place and they get comfortable with you. And so with the second place, I was renting space from somebody, but they could have maybe worked with somebody else in the area. Mm-hmm. So the part of the asset list was the equipment that was in there as well as the client list. And so I think there's just the depth of the list. Cause I was like, okay, here's a, you know, I think I mean, I've had a couple thousand people on my newsletter list at that time. Wow. Um, and so it was, you know, it was one of those things where like, okay, here's the list. Here's all the contacts. Cause you know, you have people trickle in, like they have an Achilles problem and then they call you again a year later because their hip hurts. And then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so you need kind of a longer, like more <laughs> robust list to keep a revolving PT practice going. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And so did you have, um, so you have this email list, and these were all, a lot of people are in emails, right? Well, this was just my in-person. Okay. Um, but I had started every single person that walked in the door for the last like eight years, maybe. I don't remember exactly how many years I was working in Charleston. It might have been 10. Um, so that was just an accumulation of that entire list okay. over time. So anybody came in to see me, I got their email, I put in a list. Mm -hmm. And then I would send out like an injury tip once a week mm -hmm. or once a month, I think, in the beginning. Or sending out an um, email newsletter like, hey, this is what I want you to do if you've got a little, you know, your knee is bugging you or whatever, you know, the, or the, the body is full of great things to right. work on. So right. I'd send out a little tip and then I'd get a reply back from three people. Hey, I've been suffering from this. Can I make an appointment? So it was always my way to share information and reconnect mm -hmm. with people and then bring them back in. That's so great. What was one of the best ways that you built that list of people outside of them requesting to be your patient? At that time, nothing. Yeah. I mean, there was no, I mean, they might've shared it with a friend because I always put on the bottom of the newsletter, hey, if you found this information helpful, please forward it to a friend. Mm -hmm. so, so you had people on there that weren't just your patients, right? They were, they were non-patients. Yes. So if it was somebody, maybe, you know, you talk to them in a space and you're like, oh, you should check out this newsletter that I wrote. And then they would go to my website and then they would sign up for it or they would forward it to a friend. But for the majority of, you know, the base, there were at least people that I'd kind of been a part of their lives at least once for 10 minutes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So were you doing like workshops and some other things? Like yeah. That? Talking at running stores and doing workshops places and I would get everybody's email when I would do the thing and then enter it into the system. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, who taught you how to do that? I mean, that was 10 years, 10 years ago, right? Yeah, no, That was a big deal back then. That? Yeah. So I've got a friend uh, who had a very successful online business. And he was like, Sarah, we need to, we need to do something with you. Like you could take this online. And, and so he kept like putting little bugs in my ear on, you should do this and you should do that. And that was one of his first challenges was mm -hmm. start an email newsletter list and uh, send it out to people. It's a good way to stay connected. So it's always good to have a friend like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, so you moved the, you moved the third time and you were like, I'm not starting a new business. I was done. I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, yeah. Because we moved less than two years later. It was like one year and 11 months. And I was like, we didn't even make it two years. Yeah. You can't really get something established and running and get into a community and that short of a time. Yeah. Yeah. And is this like, is your husband just have like a, a job where the better he does, he gets moved around kind of thing, military or something else? Or is this yeah, just he, the way it is? He really likes small biotech companies, mm -hmm. um, and, which is great when it works out well and we get stock and that's yeah. awesome. Um, which, so we've had, we've had some good experiences and we've had some bad mm -hmm. on the company. Um, I mean, he's, he enjoys risk and he enjoys working for those companies that haven't gone public yet. And, I mean, I'm into extreme sports and enjoy risk and wanted to go out of pocket. So I'm like, you know what? Whatever makes you happy. We'll just be a risk-taking yeah. family. Awesome. So he, you must not get a lot of pushback for him from some of your risky ideas, like going out of network, starting online business, stuff like that. Oh, no. he is. I could not ask for somebody more uh, supportive. He's like, you should put more money at this. You should spend <laughs> more money. And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, no, do it. So, yeah, I, mean, I don't know of another spouse that's like, you should spend more. Double your advertising budget. Right. That's awesome. That's, it's really awesome. It sounds like he, he gets it and yet he's still like in a different lane doing his biotech thing and you got the PT thing, but it's, you know, I, I think a, a lot of people have, have difficulty explaining the entrepreneurship bug or in risk and risk taking is to a spouse who's risk averse. Yes. You yes. Know. You're probably right. I've never even thought about that. I mean, I've never even dreamed of a world where risk is just part of our daily lives. I mean, we go, we go climbing every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does doing risky things calm you down or Without like get you focused? Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. There's nothing like being up on a route and you're lead climbing and you look down and you're like, all right, my bolt is below my feet. Yeah. I need to stay calm. I need to make two more moves without losing it, without letting my palms sweat. And it's just this feeling of just great euphoria and I'm probably an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I used to race bikes. We would go down these hills and you yeah. cannot look off the side and we're going faster than cars down the hills. And that's scary because with a bike, <laughs> you're hitting the ground. Like I take a lead fall. I'm not hitting the ground. I'm going to catch the, like the rope is going to catch me and I might yeah. swing back in, which I've you know hurt my ankle a couple of times, but you know, you're still not like biking accidents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I woke up in Iowa and didn't know why I was in Iowa. 
Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, talk about like yeah, I, I got I got off lucky. I mean, I knew I was at a bike race. My team was like, "Do you know where we are?" I was like, "No." He's like, "We're in Iowa." I was like, "Why are we in? What would I do in Iowa?" And we had a, fr- a good friend who was from uh, Moline, Iowa, and they had a four day like series of races. You know, I mean, you know. Wow. Yeah. See, that's why I, I will never ride a motorcycle. I'm I'm a risk taker, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> controlled risk taker. I'm a controlled risk taker. <laughs> Yeah, what you're familiar with. Like, there's some things I would never do. And some people are like, oh, I'll do that all day long. I'd never, I'd never jump off a cliff with a bike. I've had too many patients. I've had too many patients that were in motorcycle accidents. And I'm yeah. with a car, did not see them. And then some yeah. old lady just ran the stop sign and T-boned them. And they'd broken fat bones in their body. And I'm like, that's just not, not worth it. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, we'll move on to the next topic because I ride motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, that's how we, that's how we focus. I, I avoid the, the negative problems. Well, I mean, I think when you're online and you have to put yourself out there, you have to make a risk to like create an ad campaign or create yeah. a webinar where you're, you're talking to somebody and you're, you're going to be public. Right. Who's going to judge you? Who's going to criticize you? You know? And so being able to face that risk yeah. is, I think it's, it's huge. So this came up in my, uh, my platinum mastermind group today. And someone asked about, well, what do you, you know, so what if I, annoy people with my email. Now we're kind of jumping ahead, but annoy people with my emails because I had a friend who got a nasty email <laughs> back from them. You know what? Like, I'm sure you've had ex- experiences. Like, well, how do you, how do you deal with that? I had somebody one time reply back and, and she was like, I don't appreciate the fact that you're selling something. And I was like, hmm, let me see. Daycare in Cambridge is five grand a month. What, what do you think that I would do? Like, how would I pay for my kids to go to, so I could work, so I could help people? Like, it just looks like, of course you're going to be a people that reply back that haven't, that just don't get you. Right. And that's okay, because there's going to be this whole other segment of people that, that get what you're doing and embrace it and appreciate it. So I think you just got to let it go. You're not going to make everybody happy. Yeah. And if you try, you'll make no one happy, right? Didn't Dr. Siddhartha have a quote about that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can remember what it was. But yeah, I mean, if, you, if no you're not focused on who you want to make happy, like every, so it'll be unhappy people, but you can only help the people you can help. And, and you I, only connect with the people that you can connect. Right. And I find the more transparent I get and the more kind of opinionated um, and outspoken, even if it's a little bit more than my normal personality, if we like, you know, grab a beer after cycling one day, You'd probably be like, oh, Sarah, you're pretty laid back and not really that opinionated. But online, I try to be a little bit more, you know, more so that people can get a little bit of an idea of what I stand for. Uh, Why is that that so important? Well, you make, you figure out who you connect with. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have any opinion at all, then you have trouble connecting with people. People don't really know where you stand and then they're not going to get behind you. So it's like the more opinion I have about something, the more I tend to find my tribe and the people mm-hmm. that want to, you know, your followers, the people who want to get behind you and, and be on this journey with you because they know what you stand for. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. What's like, do you have like a, a I don't know, a formula for that? I don't know, a formula. It's like, is there like a, a, a pattern you follow when you're creating a post where you want to share your opinion? Well, it's kind of like you're standing on the edge of the mountain and you're like, okay, what would raise people's eyebrows? <laughs> or can I say right here that would kind of catch them just a little bit and actually make them read what I'm writing? Yeah. Whether it completely infuriates them or they get about halfway through and they're like, amen, I am with you. Mm-hmm. You know, so what would make them actually have an opinion about what you just wrote? Because I read so many things put out by physical therapists. I'm like, this is so dry. Like it's so dry. It's so clinical and so dry. And I just, I want to stop reading halfway through. I can't imagine anybody else wants to keep reading it. But it's like, okay, this is good information for a textbook. Right. Not a good way to connect to somebody who is flipping through Facebook or flipping through Instagram and wants to read something interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me, let's go back. So you got, you got into an online business, like, and you said you thought maybe you're just going to help people solve their back pain. Like, did you try something and then you're like, nope, got to pivot over to pelvic floor or like, what was that? Well, I wrote a book, <laughs> you know, like normal people. And then I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> and then I, uh, I just, I had a lot of pelvic floor or a moderate amount of pelvic floor issues after my first child. Mm-hmm. And I tried working with the local pelvic floor PTs and I wasn't really getting helped and it wasn't solving my problem. And so then I put on my 
ortho cap. And I was like, all right, let's look at the kinetic chain. Let's figure out what's going on. And I was able to help myself. And back then there wasn't a lot of stuff on the internet. Mm -hmm. I was able to figure out kind of some of the connections where it all went together. The Postural Restoration Institute is really great. Um, They have a lot of good stuff for kinetic chain and um, working through that. And I was able to apply some of that in with just pelvic floor specific things. And, And so it was, you know, it was kind of a journey with like, okay, if I'm having trouble getting help and I'm in the business, yeah, then how much more trouble are other people having? And now it's really popular, which is mm-hmm. awesome. So much great information that's getting out there. Uh, but back then there, it was not uh, this super big thing on the internet. Yeah. And so how did you get your first, like, what was your first start? Excuse me. We got a little allergy thing. We, I live in the South where all the allergies exist. But we um, have them too as well. <laughs> um, how'd you get your start like online? What was the first thing you sold? What was the first thing that you did? Like, so I started writing blogs yeah. because I, I enjoyed writing. Um, so I started writing blogs with information that I found helpful. And I was, um, I, I go nuts if I don't have human connection. Mm-hmm. So I was seeing people, I was running space from this Pilates studio and seeing people so that I could actually have a hand in it. Because I, I just, I don't know, I, I have a hard time with, the people that have never worked with people in person and mm-hmm. then they want to sell stuff. And I'm just like, how do you even, where do you even start with, without any experience? Yeah. So I kept my hand in networking with people, which was, which was really good. And then I wrote blog posts and then I put together this workout. I was like, all right, this is a great pelvic floor workout. It was like a three part series. I filmed it, got it kind of like professionally filmed and uh, from one of uh, like a Cambridge student that was in a film class and, not like, you know, super professional, but like on a budget. <laughs> and uh, and I, I put it out to the world. I ran ads that were ridiculously expensive <laughs> because I didn't understand anything about Facebook ads at that point. Uh, but I got, I got a list of, it was like 100, 150 people. And I had 10 people buy it. Wow. So I was like, all right. And I sold it for $97 and I had 10 people buy it. And I went to a movie that day that I launched it, like send it out. And I remember just sitting there, you know, at the movie and you're just so excited because you're like, this is the first time I've ever made money when I haven't been trading my time for it. It was like the best feeling ever. Yeah. I'm never going to forget that first feeling. It was, it felt so good because we just, we trade time for money, you know, and Mm -hmm. we, and, and I think that's good to a point, um, but I think at some point in your career, you're like, okay, how can I not completely trade my time for money? And I still want to help people, but I don't want it to have to be like a one-on-one thing for where I never get paid when I'm on vacation. Right. You know, I mean, as an entrepreneur, owning your own place, like if you take a day off, you just don't get paid. Right. There's no vacation time. There's no maternity leave. There's no, like, you're, just, you're just not making anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. So a thousand dollars first uh, first go round. Mm-hmm. Had, like, but you spent a lot on Facebook ads. Did you, you spend a thousand dollars on Facebook ads, or did you? No, I think I spent five hundred. Five hundred. Okay. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. That's awesome. So I at least like made something. But in my mind, I was like, "Ooh, I made a thousand. I'm just not even worrying about what I." Spent. You did make a thousand. It's what you spent doesn't count. <laughs> and then you know, I, I I met with the women. I talked to all of them. Um, I actually hosted some live calls with them so I could see what questions they have, and I was yeah. like, "Okay." this program is terrible. I have to redo it from scratch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then I completely revamped the program. Uh, so it was a lot more education with some workout stuff. Um, and then I put that back out and I sold it as a membership. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, like $15 a month. It was, it was nothing. Um, and then I was like, okay, well then that started doing really well. And then I did a webinar mm-hmm. and sold the, you know, increased the price to 25 a month and then got it like another, you know, hundred people to sign up for the membership. And so it just kept, you know, kind of evolving. And then I'm on my third round of this program because clearly the first two needed to be redone. (laughs) You know, you just can't leave things alone. Um, And so that would be, I think my encouragement for people listening to this is just put something out there. Just put it, you can redo it. You can redo it three months down the road if you don't like what you did. Mm -hmm. I think so many people keep trying to perfect what they're putting out to make the most perfect thing the first time they try. I'm like that's never going to happen. You have right. to get feedback, and you have to get honest feedback. Feedback from people that are paying you, not your friends. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, so many people get stalled out by not doing anything, and they don't do anything. It's just like, mm-hmm. well, we're not going to help more people if we don't actually get something in front of them, right? Yeah, and what I realized with this um, this area was women don't they can't leave, they can't get babysitters, 
Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can't, they've tried making appointments. It's so hard. So they might be able to make an appointment or two with a public floor PT to get some direction, get some release work. But then they're like, it's, you know, it's often out of pocket now for public floor PT and that's really expensive and they have this baby. And yeah, so I feel like the online world, it works really well for that population. Yeah, that's really awesome. And, and that wasn't, and, and just like, just to rehash, it's like, it, that wasn't what your intention was. It was what you're, you were struggling with and you put together, okay, if I'm having problems, other people must be having problems. Let me go find other people with these problems. Mm-hmm. And then you found them. It, it kind of, uh, it solidified that you had a great idea. You made five, maybe made a thousand dollars and you just like, I got to make it better. And now it's what you, this, you've got this program and probably some others, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got a membership program. Uh, and then I have got a continuing education course. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I dive into something, I really like to dive into it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I did all this research. I've read all these studies. I've looked at this from every which way and, you know, all angles and learned some really cool stuff. I shouldn't keep all this to myself. I mean, mm-hmm. that, was, that was just a lot of work. And so I've kind of packaged it together in this monster course <laughs> where it's, uh, it's quite giant. Uh, but it goes through everything uh, with the pelvic floor and diastasis and how it's all connected. And, uh, and that's, for, that's for other physical therapists. Mm-hmm. That's for physical okay. therapists. Uh, it's certified through the state of, state of Texas. Mm-hmm. One of those, you know, key 10 states where a lot of people can get credit for it. Uh, yeah. And it's also for uh, personal trainers. And I've had a, a high number of chiropractors take it, actually. Wow, that's awesome. And so you've got uh, patient-centered courses, physical therapist-centered courses. I have two branches. And they're actually in separate accounts. So they're completely okay. separate in my business. Wow, that's awesome. Different websites, different? No, not different websites, okay. but different Kajabi accounts. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Is, is there anything else you're doing to keep those separate besides, like, Kajabi? Are you in different bank accounts, different... People. Different bank accounts, um, not the end, but like different, you know, strike accounts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I have different people helping okay. uh, in the course. I've got a, a, a group for the, it's like a graduate group for the PCS course, the community mm-hmm. education course. And I have got the most incredible uh, team in there to be able to help answer questions about three physical therapists, two pelvic floor PTs, um, a neuro expert that does like Z Health and then KT stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just, I love bringing knowledge to people mm-hmm. and I don't have to have all the answers that's what's so cool I love being able to bring knowledge to people and bring people together and help troubleshoot problems and help troubleshoot clients and patients with other people and you know you just never know like you throw out an idea or a question to somebody and it might make something click which then might change that person's life right that's awesome so you've got uh, you said I think you had said in the message you have like nine people helping you run your business like, yeah, and when I think about how that team yeah. is going, I think it's more like 10 now. But yes. Yeah. So some physical therapists, some non, non-healthcare uh, professionals doing back-end stuff, right? One of the first people I hired was somebody to read my email for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you actually dealt with Celia. Yeah. I, like, I really hate email with every fiber of my being. <laughs> so I, uh, I, that was my first step was like, okay, I gotta get it. So, Cause I would, I found myself spending like an hour to two hours a day because right. everybody would, you know, send an email. Hey, you know, could you help me or will it work for this? Or I need to put my membership on pause or whatever. Mm. I just, ugh. <laughs> so are, do you, how do you separate that? Like, is there like a notification when you actually have to read it versus like another physical therapist could answer it for you, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, she'll tag me in it. You know how you do the little labels in Gmail mm-hmm. where you put these colors, she'll just tag me in it. And then if it's something major, she'll call me. I'm okay. Like, yeah, what do you think about this? I need answers now. That's awesome. And, and you're the, are you the only one creating content or the other physical therapists kind of supporting you with getting people through programs or are they also creating content? Making lots of content, mm-hmm. but now they're I'm also getting them to make content. So it's just, really great for bringing in different opinions. So we do like a tip of the week every week and we all kind of rotate through. Um, I'm getting Anna to do a running program for me because that's kind of where her passion is. And uh, So yeah, so creating content now, which is amazing because I just think there's no, there's no one right answer. That's awesome. So with, with all these um, people involved and in, in programs, like what are some of the other tips and strategies you're using to um, make your time efficient and, and really stick to what you do best? Don't check email first thing in the morning. Don't get on Facebook first thing in the morning. Don't look at Instagram first thing in the morning. 
Um, that would be my probably number one when I'm in the most productive phases. And I don't think you can be productive all the time. Nobody can. Um, but when I'm in the most productive phases, I take those two to three hours in the morning and just focus on whatever I need to get done. And I'll have one main task or two main tasks. Like, okay, here's my, like what I need to get done over this week or over the next few weeks. And I'm going to knock it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I focus on that and then I will see patients in the afternoon um, and I'll do scheduled podcasts in the afternoon and, and stuff like that where I'm, I'm good, but I'm not, you know, I, I don't know how much energy I would have to like really bring it to make something, you know, really intense, but I can chat with you and I can help mm-hmm. people solve problems. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. Like some days in the afternoon, I'm just, I'm a little fried, mm-hmm. you know, and I can do some other things, but I can't, I'm not the most, I don't have the most clarity and creativity um, after I've been staring at a screen or doing solving problems for four or five hours. I, I you know, mm-hmm. yeah. so when I want to show up to film something, I want to show up with my best self because that's going to live on forever. So I right. want to be able to bring a lot of energy and be with it with quick connections and things like that. So I don't have to redo the foaming a whole lot as well. <laughs> so in the morning, writing blog posts, you can't target rate something good when you're a little tired. Right. So what's your best um, right now? What's the best, kind of strategy you're using to reach other patients and, you know, like the, for the marketing and I'm, I'm, it, and it's probably the same, it might be the same thing for reaching phys, other physio, physical therapists, et cetera. But what's your best like strategy for getting people into your online world? You know, and if it's one, if it's different for one than the other, I'd love to know that too. Um, it's not. And it's exactly the same as it was in person, mm-hmm. which is word of mouth. Yeah. So you just, you do a really great job and then people tell people, I'm, I'm almost hitting a thousand students in my online certification course. I'm just, I'm so close. It's so wow. exciting. And I really have done very little marketing for it, but people take it and they're like, Sarah, this is the most robust class, online class I've ever taken. And that was my intention because I'm a mom. It's really hard for me to leave for weekend classes. Mm -hmm. I got to be real picky because, I mean, you know, I don't want to be keeping the kids all weekend by myself without my husband. So I don't do this thing to him. And so I'm really picky about my teaching where I leave to teach. And I'm picky about my online that I, you know, my in-person that I go for courses. And so I wanted to create something where people could be like, okay, I can chip away at this. And I can watch 10 minutes a day or I can watch 20 minutes a day. And I can get some high quality material. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily filmed while teaching. So it's got a lot of PowerPoint presentations and then broken down into exercises. Um, So that was, uh, I just wanted to do something where I could meet people. You know, you want to bring what would be helpful to you. Right. You think about what would you want? I'm like, well, I want a really killer course that I can kind of watch along over several weeks and, and, and I can keep it forever. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. Like it's not, it's not like a course where you only have access while you're paying for it. It's a course where you, you buy it and then it's yours. And I've updated it multiple times because I just feel like if I'm loyal to the people that paid to the course, then they're going to tell their friends. Right. And they have. Yeah. And so that's, that's the cool part is it's the same, you know, you do a good job in person and you're, you're you grow and you expand and people tell their friends and you do a good job online and yeah, same thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you asking people to tell their friends or just it's just happening for you? I mean, I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's just happening, but I run challenges on the lay people side. Mm-hmm. And part of the challenge is to share. Okay. And so it's great because I'm going to give them free stuff. Like right. They get an Amazon gift card to buy workout equipment. They get free memberships. Uh, and so I'm going to give them free stuff. And so like, well you can help share the business. So that works out really well. So that's mm-hmm. done a lot to spread the light person side is like a mm-hmm. grassroots effort because yeah. they're in there and they like it. And I'm just kind of prompting them to share it. Yeah. That's awesome. I think a lot of people, I wanted to like dig that out a little bit, tease that out because a lot of people think, Oh, word of mouth just happens naturally. Well, it might, but if you could, if you um, cultivate it some, it grows even faster. It's like putting miracle grow on your, Mm-hmm. And the patient list, right? Yeah, and you have to ask people because I mean, what is it? Do people are five times more likely to give a negative, like a verbal negative review of you mm-hmm. than they are positive? Yeah. No, so if if somebody has a bad experience, they're going to tell everybody. But if they have a good one, they might or might not tell yeah. somebody. Yeah, but if they know you want them to tell mm-hmm. people about it, they'll more likely do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. So. What looking back over the last, you know, 10 years or so, is there anything that you would 
do differently if you had the chance to do it again? Oh, that's such a hard question. Okay, so one of the things that I did when I first started online was I paid people for their time to ask them that question. Mm-hmm. I booked a session with like Tony Gentlecore because I know he's online a lot, has this big online presence, and yeah. he seems like a nice guy. He refunded my money, and then I paid him again and told him, do not refund it. <laughs> and then I sat down with him for an hour, and I said, what would you do differently? <laughs> Give yeah. me some advice. Um, so I think that's a great question. I also did the same thing with Dean Somerset and a few other people. So I was like, okay, who can I get access to to pay them for their time and ask them for advice? And so that's one thing I would definitely do again. I know you asked me what I would do differently, but yeah. I would definitely do. So that's something I highly recommend to people. If there is a way you can get uh, just time with someone that you think, okay, I kind of like what they're doing. I want to know more. Just pay for their time. Mm-hmm. Then you, that immediately puts them in your like in your debt in a way because they're like, oh, well, they paid me for my time to help them, so then they really want to help you, right? Which is nice. Um, things I would do differently, I'd probably spend more money on advertising. Mm-hmm. I'd probably just go for it a little more. I think that's the risk averse. Like it's risky to spend money, right? <laughs> and so you gotta like think that leaf of faith. Yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, you learn from the bad stuff, you know. So you never really consider it bad stuff. Like what that. was the what was the number one thing that you were like, oh, this happened? I, I'm. You know, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned where you were like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Not getting conversations with haters on the internet. Mm-hmm. Just walk away. Just walk away. Just leave it blank. You don't need to reply. <laughs> Just don't even. It's not even worth it. I, mean, I got in this conversation one time. This guy got so mad. It was something about squats, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Right. People take things so out of context, and so. That's awesome. That would be yeah. advice. Just, just, just leave it. Oh, and don't check your email at night or social media at night. Because best case scenario, you're going to have an awesome uh, pull. Somebody's going to invite you to their podcast or this article like, hey, Women's Health wants you to come write an article for them. And, and here's the idea. So then you're going to be up all night thinking about mm-hmm. whatever, you know, Oprah just invited you to be on the show. You're not going to be able to sleep. <laughs> but if you found out in the morning, then you could have a great day. Right. You could probably sleep at night. Worst case scenario at night, you get a hater, right? Yeah, exactly. So like there is no good that comes from checking anything after 5 p.m. You just leave it alone, have some self-control, push it away. It's just not worth it because either way, like good or bad, you're still going to not get sleep. And if you need to be productive to, you know, work on that article that Oprah wants you to write, Mm -hmm. you need to be rested. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Has Oprah called yet? Has Oprah come knocking yet? That's my dream. That's my dream. That's what I'm waiting on. (laughs) Yeah. So what's next for you? Um, You know, like what, what are the big goals? What, what do you, what do you see yourself doing in, you know, in five years, 10 years? Well, so I was actually just thinking about this week because things have gotten to a place where, all right, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm a little bit in maintenance mode. So I've been taking a month of summer to figure out exactly how much time it takes to run the business where, you know, your pants aren't on fire. Uh, which I think is good to have plateaus where you get to places and then you just truly see how much of of your time it takes to then be able to determine uh, what to take on next. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I love the idea of doing a little bit more in-person teaching to go in depth. I just, I get so excited about explaining the pelvic floor to people and like all the little nuances of exercise when people have different things wrong with their pelvic floor. And I'm not going to you know, bore you with any of that. Uh, but it is, it's, it's really exciting. And I love, I love teaching. And I love helping people understand. And I love seeing that aha moment when somebody gets a concept and mm-hmm. uh, it's, just, it's a good thing. Um, so I would love to maybe do a little bit more in-depth teaching uh, maybe write a book on the pelvic floor eventually that's entertaining for people to read. It would be kind of fun. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll see. I'm doing a little maintenance mode to see how much time I truly have to put toward projects. Cool. Is there, and are these like books and classes for therapists or for, you know, lay people like patients? Um, I would love to do more, a course for therapists because mm-hmm. uh, I'm just, I'm real tired of getting patients with you know, pelvic floor tightness that are told to do X, Y, and Z and the breathing's all wrong. And so it's, a, it's you know, there's, there's a lot more in-depth stuff that I'd love to do there with helping uh, marry the kind of the exercise, the picky exercise world with the um, pelvic floor PT world because I think mm-hmm. that that's just a really cool area. Yeah. Is that because if you help other therapists, then you're really helping more patients and mm-hmm. then you, don't have to, you can kind of separate? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean the the 
you can imagine the stories that you get, I mean, that I get on email with, I mean, because the pelvic floor is such a, it's such a vulnerable area and it's such an emotional area for women. And, and if I could never get another email that said, I wish I would have known, or I can't believe that this was the path that I was on for the last years and my life is ruined. It's like this, this could have been preventable. Right. Um, so the more information that I can get out and help share with others that then they can share. Uh, mm-hmm. the better. What's the craziest thing you've heard someone say? Well, I just talked to somebody today whose doctor told them not to lift more than 25 pounds for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. He has a four-year-old. Right. Like, I mean, really? Really? I mean, and, and let's talk about the lifting 25 pounds. Like, okay, if I'm going to take 25 pounds in one hand and put it in a shelf over my head, Sure, that might be a little bit of pressure if I'm not ready for it and prepared and learning how to exercise. But like being told you can't pick up your child, like that breaks my heart. I mean, so that's not like, it's not crazy. I've had a lot of crazier stuff, but but that's the thing I would like to change the most about the industry when it comes Mm -hmm. from uh, the surgery MD side. It's helping to educate doctors on the stronger women are the less intra-abdominal pressure there is and the right. less risk there is. And there just needs to be a lot more education. So mm-hmm. I feel like I, I just have so many patients that, uh, that I talk to where they're like, I was told by my doctor not to lift. And then three years later, I can't do anything. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine never really working out again or only yeah. lifting five pound weights? Yeah, no, it's horrible. And I, you know, when we, we've seen the people, those people too. And I said, well, what they really meant was don't lift that 35 pounds until you see Dr. LeBauer. And then I laugh and they go, you know, yeah. but I don't know how to make, I, I, I honestly don't know how to make that stop. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping that if I keep writing very public blog posts and I keep getting my SEO up, that uh, the, these doctors that are saying that might actually take a second to read one of them and be like, huh, well, that's a new way to think about it. Yeah. Maybe I should start sending people to things that can educate women on lifting properly so that they can become stronger so then their pelvic floor is safer. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Like, whatever you need for me to do that, like, let me know. Like, I, one of my new goals in the clinic is I, I told our therapist, I just want to make enough, uh, so much money over there that all we do is blanket, you know, the town with ads that aren't even designed to bring patients in. They're just designed to educate people so that people stop telling them stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And I ran an ad campaign once where I just, like, put out articles yeah. I, like, I didn't ask for people's email addresses I didn't I'm like I'm just gonna run some ads to get information out there because there needs to be more yeah yeah if um gosh awesome so if someone wants to do like what you're doing like get online educate the masses what's the number one thing that they should do besides not check their email in the morning like what's the like number one thing like, <laughs> getting started you know what I mean like um, so don't be afraid to have a personality. Mm-hmm. I think be good at what you do. So educate yourself, have experience, um, be able to help people, be able to, don't be afraid to investigate. That's what I, I just, I love that about when you have somebody in front of you, you're like, well, let's figure this out. You know, you're not going to walk out the door until we figure it out. And that's part of what I love. So I built my practice here in Boston around getting, um, patients that had been to public floor PT but they really kind of were tapped out, but they still didn't see the improvements they wanted. So then they came to see me and I got to help them figure out, all right, what the heck is going on? And it was just a lot of troubleshooting and troubleshooting is fun. So gain a lot of knowledge. Don't be afraid to think outside the box and don't be afraid to own new connections that you make and new ideas. I feel like there's so much in the PT world. Oh, it's gotta be evidence-based and it's gotta be in this box and it's gotta be said by so-and-so first. And then I can only share it in this very clinical protected way. And you know what? There's new stuff. We can invent new stuff all the time or new cues and new things that work for people and don't be afraid to, mm-hmm. to share that that you are that you are inventing and you are working on. That's so awesome. Thank you. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you think I should have? Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of cool, inspiring PT to step out, uh, step outside of our boxes and just have a broader look at our profession and what we're capable of. Yeah. What do you think our profession needs to um, change to like, what, what needs to change in our profession to, to be more effective and help more people? Hmm. That's a good question. I guess that's what I'm trying to do now. I mean, I think we need more of a voice, just any way you can have more of a voice, whether it's in your community 
um, giving talks, giving mm -hmm. newsletters, getting out information, having more of a voice of what we're capable of. So that if somebody gets a bad referral and they see a PT that maybe doesn't meet their needs, mm -hmm. they say, oh, PT is still great. I'm going to keep trying till I find someone who understands my problem instead of, oh, I tried PT. Ah, PT is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they help me do bridges and they walk away. <sighs> it's like, what? Right. So, like, that's yeah. like saying I ate at the restaurant and I never eat at restaurant again because I had a bad yeah. meal. Yeah, because I had one bad meal at a bad restaurant. Yeah, but I feel like that's the belief system that people get. Is they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I tried PT and, you know, the PT never looked at me. They never really explained anything outside the, yeah. you know, the assessment. Yeah, the problem I see with that is that I think I feel like other professions treat it and the public perception is that it's a modality and not a profession or not decision making. And I think that probably has to has to do with things that happened in the profession before I came into it. But I, that's what it feels like to me. Do you sense any of that? or is it No, so but I, I kind of live in my own little world. Yeah. I just make things how I want them to be. That's so awesome. So that's a, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think that way. And so I don't really interact with people that think that way. And if mm -hmm. I do, I'm probably just ignoring them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sure you got a lot of haters and they've just been blocked and they're just, Go no, on. I mean, not really, because I, I think you have to be kind of brave to also comment about something. Right. Don't talk about squats. Like, talk about anything with squats. Yeah. <laughs> the right I, way to squat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the most, so what's the most controversial topic that you've put out? I read an article saying that every mom should deadlift, and I think that was probably the most uh, controversial one. Um, awesome. I put one out that was talking about when leaking is actually a good sign. And, but, but it didn't have any of the controversy that I kind of wanted it to when I, yeah. I wrote it. Um, Cause I think people were like, Oh yeah, well that actually just makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's funny as most moms can deadlift more than I can. I'm just, cause I'm six foot three. I can't oh, yeah. You've got a long way to go. I got a long way to go. But I mean, so. you think about it, you got to get that Costco box way down on the cart out or maybe sliding yeah. from the bottom up into the trunk mm -hmm. and women are afraid to lift weights. Right. And I'm like, you're lifting weights already and you're lifting them without great form. No wonder everything on you hurts. Yeah. Yeah. That's so okay. awesome. That's another soapbox. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I love it though. I love finding out what gets people fired up. Um, <laughs> I just think people should be strong and I think people should not be afraid of being strong. Yeah. It just yeah. saves so much for so much heartache in lots of areas of the human body. Why do you think people struggle with that? Oh, maybe lack of education and the benefit of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't, they think it's, they think it's important, but they don't know how important it is for aging and for feeling great. Um, women don't want to be bulky. There is that uh, myth of, you're right, magazine. Who's on the magazine cover? Yeah. Not the woman that's deadlifting 300 pounds. You know, it's not that I can deadlift 300 pounds, but it's, it's not that woman. You know, it's, it's the one that looks like she's six skinny and never lifted a weight in her life. And yeah. So it's a really hard, I think, the media perception of what women should look like. Um, and so they're afraid to work out. I've had so many women ask me, oh, will this make me bulky? How can I work out to not be bulky? And it's like, really? Let's just focus on being strong. Right, right. Yeah. What do you say when someone says that? I mean, like, how do you, like, here, I get this. I try not to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, as a man, how best should I respond to that? Like, I know what I do, but I, like, I think that's a, a, a problem that, we have, there's this disconnect, like, well, how do I respond? It's like, oh, well, you're a guy, you, 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 you don't have to worry about it. Like, how should I, if, if, if you were my patient and you said, Aaron, Dr. LeBauer, I don't want to get bulky, tell me, and, and none of this goes into more clinical approach, but just tell me, like, what could I say yeah. to you that would, that would make you buy into my program so I could, like, mm -hmm. help you out? Well, I've really got a leg up on you because... Yeah. I'm pretty small. I'm one of those like endomorphs where I, it's really hard for me to put on muscle. Mm -hmm. And so I usually just say, well, this is my lifting protocol and I take creatine and I do protein supplements and this is how big I am. Yeah. And, and so they're like, oh, I was like, do you realize how hard it is to actually get bulky? It's so hard. So usually I go into a little bit of the education on hypertrophy mm -hmm. and literally how much it takes to bulk up. And then I talk about the difference, um, with whatever their area of concern is. So like usually it's their quads and I'm like, well, you have no glutes. So your quads are acting as your hip muscles. So we need to work on just rebalancing your body. And then it's like this light bulb of like, Oh, we can attack this intellectually. Right. And that's what's causing my knee pain. And oh, okay. Now we can go down this whole rabbit hole of, all right, now I have a vested interest in changing my body. 
instead of worrying about becoming bulky. So then it becomes a new goal. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. That's great. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I can't put on muscle if I try. I know. Me neither. It's like, it's so hard. You know, I get stronger, but it, you know, I'm just like, I mean, for you know, so I just know that. I mean, I'm, I, I was good. I'm good on riding a bike for five hours. But know? we're good at like secret ninja strength, you know, yeah. like I walk on the street and nobody knows I'm strong and then I can mm-hmm. like do, do 10 pull-ups, you know, and nobody yeah. knows like hidden strength. That's right. That's right. What are your, what are your other um, ninja superpowers? Oh, having patience when my kids are losing it. Not mm-hmm. always, but I try to, I try to stay calm. <laughs> Not that that's related to the PT world, but I feel like so many of us have kids and it's so hard when you work all day and then you have kids and you're like, okay, I just gave all of this and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then how do I set aside more emotional time for my family? And mm-hmm. that's how I know when I need to back off. Because like I said, I needed a little bit of maintenance to figure out, okay, where am I with my emotional energy level and what I can give and still have something left for my family, which is incredibly important to me. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, like, how do you balance? Like, what are some of the strategies? Oh, when I just start losing it, then I know I need to cut things out and have a little more time. I'm like, okay, whoa. When I'm like, okay, it needs to be bedtime right now. And it's 4.30 in the afternoon. And I'm like, okay, I know I probably need to few things out and have a little bit more space in my school, which it's hard not to feel guilty, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, if I take an hour or two and I read a book or I like I went to a yoga class with a friend yesterday and it was fun and something I don't normally do and we had lunch out and I felt great last night and I had mm-hmm. emotional space. So I think it's hard as entrepreneurs to not feel like you should be working all the time. Right. Here's here's another one. Um what would you, if someone, if there's a woman who's thinking about, I'm trying to get started in my business, get my business off the ground, but I want to get pregnant in the next year. What's your best like advice? Like work as much as you can right now. Yeah. <laughs> because it only gets harder. So like, just, just do it. Just do it right now. Just dive in. Don't wait one more day. Um, because it's, you know, it's, it's hard, but if you want something, you do it. Yeah. So awesome. Um, Sarah, uh, we're about out of time, but uh, this is awesome. I could keep, throwing questions at you and chatting all day. Um, but if someone wants to get in touch with you, um, how do they find you? And I know you have a course um, for other physical therapists. So can you tell us about, about where they can find that? So coreexercisesolutions.com um, is, and you can send me an email. Keely will get back to you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, I'm kind of kidding. Um, but yeah, so I've got my website there. I've got a ton of articles. I've got a lot of freebies. Of course, you can get to me. You can get to know my opinion. You can decide whether or not you resonate with it. You might hate me. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, so I'd say you're probably checking out my website and uh, clicking on my articles tab. Mm-hmm. The best way awesome. to know me. Awesome. And you said, uh, and you sent me a, some information. You've got a mini course and gave me a discount link. Um, to give out to people like a cash BD discount. Like what's that course about and where do they find it? So which course did I send you the, um, oh, so PCS Keely. mini course. Yes. First okay. part and corrective exercise specialist course. Yeah. So that's the continuing education course. And it's a course going through breathing posture, um, like, you know, posture issues with breastfeeding, how to even tell women how to hold their babies a little better when they breastfeed to not have tightness. You know, if we can prevent things all the better, then it goes right. into pelvic floor and diastasis and a little bit of side joint stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what we'll do is we'll put the links to all that in the show notes so people can find you. And Instagram, Twitter, are you doing those things? Instagram, yeah, Dr. Sarah Duval and uh, Facebook. So same, mm-hmm. same handle. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been really, um, really great. Uh, eye-opening. You've dropped a, a ton of knowledge bombs. I don't even know how to start titling this episode. So, um, well, good. I hope it's, I have somebody take something away that inspires them to go have an opinion and put their thoughts into the world because we all have different thoughts and you never know what's going to resonate with someone else. And so I, I feel like there's space for, there's space for all the thoughts. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, Again, this is the Cash PD Lunch Hour. This is Aaron LeBauer and Sarah Duvall. And I was saying before, and I'll say it again, dream big, big enough to make your student loans seem inconsequential. I'll see you on the next show. Peace. Hey, what's up? This is Aaron. Real quick, if you're just getting started with a cash practice, then be sure to check out my step-by-step checklist, which will walk you through the whole process. Go to cashptchecklist.com to get your free CashPT checklist where you'll learn all the essential steps you need to take to get started. 
It's absolutely free and always will be. Over 5,000 people have already downloaded it, so make sure you don't miss out. And if you're already a business owner, but not generating the revenue you think you deserve or have the time, the freedom that you want, and you would like to grow and scale your business in the shortest amount of time possible, then you may be a great fit for my Cash PT Platinum Mastermind Group. Just head over to cashptmastermind.com where you can get all the details and apply for a free strategy call where you'll get clarity on your vision and a path to getting there.